You're listening to the Take Your Shop podcast, a podcast for wedding photographers and videographers looking to grow and scale their business. I'm your host, Hallie Heather, and my goal is for you to walk away feeling empowered and inspired as you continue to build a business that you're passionate about and that serves both you and your clients well. So whether you're operating as a side hustle or you're looking for tips and tricks on how to improve and scale your business, you, my friend, are in the right place. You don't have to figure it all out on your own, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of the Take Your Shop podcast. Today, we've got an incredible speaker. Her name is Laura Peters from Mike and Laura Travel Blog, and she is someone who has literally lived the dream life of traveling all over the world while making tons of money off of her blog. And I'm so proud of the success that she's built in her business. And I actually got the chance to meet Laura a couple of years ago, and I actually got to go with her and Mike and a bunch of travel bloggers to Kyrgyzstan, which is the most random country out there. (laughs) And it was a wild experience. But on that trip, she taught me a lot about the importance of your website and SEO. And that just like really started kicking off my interest in learning more about it. And so I've got a lot to say about Laura. She's incredible. And I cannot wait for you guys to meet her. So Laura, welcome. Do you mind just introducing yourself a little bit and telling people a little bit more about your story and how you got here? Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here, Hallie. As she said, a very good friend of mine, especially in the business world. We're always bouncing business ideas off of each other. Um, and like she had mentioned, I am a travel blogger. I am the creator of Mike and Laura Travel. Uh, I started that website probably 10 years ago, actually now, and it went really horribly for a long time until I learned more about SEO and how to get my blog posts and my website in front of readers through a search engine, which we use Google. And from there, it kind of snowballed. I now teach a lot of other people about SEO and I even dream about it. And I can't wait to tell you guys more about it. Man, that that doesn't even like scratch the surface about like what Laura does. She's being so humble in this, but you guys, she is seriously so passionate about business. And yeah, I, I'm just so excited to have her on today. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, we could talk about so many different things, but I think specifically today talking about just what goes, like the importance of a website and maybe like some of the common misconceptions about actually like getting leads and building traffic. I think there's just so much there. And so do you mind speaking through and just kind of talking through what are some of the misconceptions about guilt- getting traffic? And then what people should be doing instead and where they should be focusing? Yeah, so I'm going to go into this and I hope that you realize that I was once one of these people. So when I speak about this, I'm not trying to bring anybody down. It was certainly the avenue that I chose when I first learned about travel blogging and business in general. But I, I tend to see a lot of people put a lot of focus on social media. And the truth is that it works for some. However, social media tends to be a platform where, number one, it's either pay to play, meaning you can kind of grow, but you have to pay the platform in order to get in front of more and more of the audience you're seeking. And additionally, with social media, there are so many limitations People are using this platform or social media platforms in general to entertain themselves. They're not necessarily looking to go spend money. They're not necessarily looking to go and book somebody for some type of event. Does it happen? Certainly. Absolutely. Especially because photographers have a unique stance. They can broadcast and showcase their their skills. But 
the purpose is for people to entertain themselves. And so using your social media as the main way to drive traffic or clients or potential clients to your business, it can really it can really cause uh, a little bit of strife in your business just because there are certainly better ways to to grow an audience and especially an audience that you own particularly. And like I had mentioned, this was something that I had fallen into when I first started. I thought that I could just really pour my energy into my Instagram account and post pretty pictures and people would find me and think my life was amazing and want to follow me and read my blog posts. And unfortunately, I, it didn't make me any money. It, it didn't help my blog grow at all until I learned that there's more to it than just a social media presence. And that's when I kind of switched over to learning everything about SEO, which for those who might not know, stands for search engine optimization. And basically it's you use a search engine to drive traffic, to drive clients and readers to your website so that you can then use them as some way to earn you money, whether it's they become clients or maybe you have ads on your website that you're making money from, anything like that. But I tend to see that myth being played out a lot that you just need to hang out on social media and conform to the algorithms. And I think we all kind of know that the algorithms can be a little bit not great sometimes. So that's what I that's the message I really hope to to get across to people. And I I honestly I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think we've all gone to our seasons of man, why does the algorithm hate me or what am I doing wrong? Like one day you're blowing up, the next day maybe 20 people see your posts. And it's just so inconsistent and I think we all have to think through and like think we all have to think through and think about just like okay, who owns Instagram? What are they trying to do? They're trying to make money. They're just trying to like like Laura was saying always entertain people. And I think in the wedding industry, it's really good to showcase your work and have some sort of portfolio. There definitely are going to be people locally who might see your work. And I think that that's a great way to share and connect. And it's social media, right? Like it's a great networking tool, but it's not necessarily always going to be sustainable when it comes to marketing because of the inconsistencies with the algorithm. And I know I found that in my business. And that's why I'm so glad I actually met Laura a few years ago, because she's the one who really told me about the importance of like why you need to be investing in your website and why that's so much more important. And so, Laura, I would love it if you want to kind of dive into a little bit about the importance of focusing on your website and why that is going to serve you long term. Yeah, absolutely. So what we just talked about was some of the downfalls of, say, social media. And Hallie's right. It is a great place to showcase your work and you should have portfolios, especially if you're a business. But your website is going to be your biggest asset. It's going to be your bread and butter or one of your biggest assets. We'll get a little further into that later. But with a website, the best part about it is that you own it. I have had so many instances where I'm on social media. And what I tend to see is that people will be following the algorithm, be be trying to create content that maybe Instagram or TikTok or whatever platform is going to love. And then overnight, Instagram decides, mm, you're not following our guidelines, see you later. And they block you and you never get your account back. You do not own your content or your, I guess I should say, you don't own your account. 
on these social media platforms. They don't owe you anything. Again, overnight, they can just take that away from you. So you need to have something that you actually own, and that's your website. Now, with a website, it's kind of the foundation of getting people to your website through a, through maybe search engine optimization. It could be social media, but that's going to be the hub of where people hang out and learn who you are. They will start to trust you. They will start to like you more and potentially work with you in the future. Now, with a website, it's really important to remember that, again, it's like a funnel. So you're going to get people, you're going to get readers through one end of that funnel to your website, but to also have something set up so that you can save those readers or save those potential clients so you can connect with them in the future rather than trying for years and years to continue SEO work without much to see on the other end of it. So your website works as kind of this central zone where people, again, find out who you are. But it's important to know that you need to take a step further and set up systems in place so that you always have people that you can reach out to and send them to your website. Uh, and again, we'll we'll dive into what I think is the most important part of your business, your email list in just a bit. But just kind of touching on that importance of your website. I love that. And I think I think before jumping into just the email list, which I do agree, that's definitely really important. Do you mind walking me through just like maybe the structure in which to set up a website or important things to have? Um, just like thinking broad terms, because I think so often people are like, what do I need to start with? What do people need to see? How do I guide them through that strategic process? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. And this part really matters because the way that you set up your website will matter to Google. It will matter to your possible clients. So the first thing that you need to remember is that you need to prove why you're trustworthy. With uh, the new changes with AI, we all know that it's it's here, the future is now, and AI is here to stay. There are a lot of things that can be faked. There's a lot of things that can be created without expertise through AI. And the best way to set yourself apart, not only from AI content and other websites like that, but also from your competition, is to show what we call EAT. It's actually one of the things that Google considers when deciding where to put your blog posts in the search results. EAT stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And basically, it means that you need to prove why people can trust you and why you are an authority on whatever topic you're talking about, whether it be photography or if you're going to start a wellness blog. You need to prove why you can talk about wellness things. You can't just say, well, I've done it myself and I'm, you know, a I I have experience with it. They want to know that maybe you're a licensed practitioner. They want to know that you're a licensed photographer or whatever that means. And it's important. So eat is is very important. The way that you can showcase that is, again, to have things like an about me section on your website that is included on your home page. Also on a separate page that people can go and read more about you. 
Um, additionally, for Eat, you can talk about where maybe you've been featured in publications or you can talk about past experience with clients. I've served 541 clients, whatever it is. That's a way to show Eat an experience. You've been around for a while. Even if you haven't, there are certainly ways that you can showcase Eat in a really positive way. So that's one of the first components that's it's really important for your website, but then also through in user intent. So the, what I mean when I say user intent is that you are satisfying whatever it is that somebody is looking for when they search for a topic related to what you're talking about. So let's say that somebody searches for something regarding wedding photography and they come to your website with the intention of finding a wedding photographer and there's no information about how they can book you or your work and portraits and past experience and whatever it is, it's not satisfying why someone came to your website. And that's a really important part of SEO as well. So you want to make sure that you're satisfying user intent, not just within your blog posts. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute, but also with your website as a whole. What are people doing when they're looking for someone like you? So for us with travel, with a travel blog, they're looking for information about how to travel and do it themselves. They're probably not looking for entertainment and stories and, you know, cutesy anecdotes about how I went to Mexico. They're looking for information for themselves. And if you're a wedding photographer or a photographer in general, they're probably looking again for examples of your work, uh, past reviews and experience from other people, and then additionally, how they can get in touch with you and how they can book you for your services. That's so good. That's so good. And I, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you're talking about just like the user intent. And um, one way to think about that, too, is like establishing yourself like with authority as a guide. So for, let's say you're a wedding photographer and you want to serve clients in a really positive way, establishing yourself as a guide, whether that's giving resources and having different blogs that like serve them and help satisfy a need or answer questions or, you know, point them in the right direction for what they're looking for, whether that's eventually hiring you as their wedding photographer or giving them guides on like different things like that. I think that's so important. And Laura, I think it's, I think like the blog can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. And so Laura, would you mind talking a little bit more about just the strategy behind a blog and Maybe how someone can think about setting that up in a way that makes sense for their website and the end user. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you had said, a blog and a guide section on your website can be very rewarding, not only for your clients, but for you as a business owner, because when you provide helpful content and information for them to make their life easier, that builds trust. They will know, like, and trust you, and they are 10 times more likely to book with you or to feel comfortable enough to reach out to you. And right off the bat, you're setting yourself apart from somebody who might not do this. I see a lot of businesses who don't provide helpful information for their clients, but the ones who do are the ones who do the best with business in general. Now, you had asked me about how to set up a blog, especially strategically for maybe a business or anybody in general that wants to attract readers to their website, wants to attract potential clients. And I actually, I think one of the best ways to do this is kind of to walk you through how I would go about 
setting up a blog post, uh, more or less blogs on a website. It's it's basically just a cluster of posts that are helpful to your readers, right? A lot of times people confuse that they think that a website is separate from a blog. It's not. Your website is technically a blog. It's just the way that you use it. So it can be a place where people book with you and learn more about your work, but it's also a place where they can learn more from you. And that's the blog section of your website. You certainly don't have to do anything special. You'll just create maybe a new post or a new page that is going to talk about one specific topic. And that's a very important part of this is to 100% pick one topic per blog post. There should be no reason that you're talking about 40 different topics in one post. You need to be strategic about one blog post solves one problem. So I figured for for this audience specifically that I could walk you through a blog post that I might write if I was, say, a wedding photographer. And maybe the blog post is going to be best U.S. destinations to get married. Now, again, I had kind of I didn't I didn't try to put social media down, but I'm going to kind of go a little deeper here and say this is why I love Google way more than social media is because with Google or Bing or Yahoo or any search engine, they actually give you the answers. Rather than with social media, you're really guessing as to what the algorithm wants. Because one thing that you think is going to work really, really well probably will get 200 views. And the thing that you don't know is going to do very well gets 200,000 views. So it's not as straightforward. You do have to be more creative and, and take more guesses. Whereas with search engine optimization, SEO, they give you the answers. So let's say I'm going to write a blog post. And again, the topic is best U.S. destinations to get married. The very first thing I'm going to do before I write my blog post is do research around what my user, what my reader would want from a blog post like this. So how do I do this? I'm going to actually just look at the Google cheat sheet. I like to call it that because it's giving us the answers. So I go to Google and I type in best U.S. destinations to get married. And I see a list of results. I see some questions. I see some related searches. I see a lot of results here, right? And so what I'm going to do is take note of what I see on the top 10 or in the top 10. And I'm going to model that. So we'll start with a title. You're going to title it based on what you see in the top 10. But I want to be very clear that you're not going to copy the results in the top 10. You are going to model the results in the top 10. So as an example, I'm scrolling through and right away I see at the top that there are some buttons that I could push. And it's actually right next to where it says images, videos, news. You've seen those before. But in this case, there's even more suggestions for me. So the first two suggestions I see are for couples. I also see all inclusive. And then I also see weddings on a budget. So I'm taking note of what I'm seeing. I can even open maybe a Google Doc where I can do this right within my blog post because, of course, I can edit it. But I'm going to take note of what I see in the top 10. Now, the key here is to look for patterns. If I see it more than once, I'm probably going to jot it down as that is something I might want to consider to include not only 
in the blog post, but maybe the title too, if it's that important. Now I'm scrolling through the top 10. I see that the first result says 44 top destination wedding venues in the U.S. Okay, perfect. So I see the words wedding venues. I also see destination. And then I also see um, a number, 44. So that's something to remember too. I'm going to continue. The next result says top 18 destination wedding locations in the U.S. So what am I seeing from the first result that is similar to the second result? Well, number one, they had a number. So I'm going to jot that down. They had a number. And then additionally, they used the superlative top. So I'm going to write that down because that might be helpful as well. The next one, 30 best U.S. destination wedding venues and location and locations. That compared to the first result, they're using, again, uh, a number. So I'm taking note of that. But then they're also using the phrase wedding venues. So I'm going to take note of that wedding venues. All right. And then I'm going to continue down through the top 10 and make note of things that I see at least more than one time. And again, this is going to help me with creating my title and the outline of my post. I see there's a Reddit thread that's ranking in the top 10 that talks about affordability, affordable destinations, right? Remember when we first were looking at the top and it said weddings on a budget? Interesting. So I might want to take note of affordable or something like um, budget friendly, whatever it is, because although I might not use it in my title, I might want to include a section in the blog post about affordability. Because yes, some people are willing to spend a lot of money on a wedding, while other people might not be willing to spend as much. So pay attention to what's in the top 10. And then create your title, your headers, which are just the the subsections of the blog post and the content within it around what you see in the top 10, because this is what people are looking for. Otherwise, it wouldn't be ranking in the top 10. So that's how I would go about really finding the outline, the structure of the post and knowing exactly what to include. Now, from there... You will, of course, include beautiful pictures if you have them. If you don't have them for a certain destination or a certain wedding venue, this might be a really great opportunity to connect with the wedding venues and say, hey, I am writing a blog post and I'm actually featuring your your wedding venue in the blog post. And nine times out of 10, you're going to get a response. And you just broke through this barrier of, not being in contact with that wedding venue, but now you are. Maybe then you can get on a list of preferred um, preferred photographers. Maybe then you can create some type of package with them. It opens the door for a lot more opportunities when you connect with these places that you're talking about within your blog posts. So for me, that's how I go about strategically setting up my blog post, knowing exactly what my audience wants because it tells me in the top 10 search results. I think that's so, so smart. And I think that you're, I love how you're just being strategic and just using Google as that form. I do want to quick mention, like if any photographers out there using another photographer's photo, just make sure that you get permission from the photographer um, and give them credit to it. So you can even, if the venue doesn't have their own photos that they have taken, 
Um, so you have like a photographer that you can connect with that's out there. You could also maybe connect with other photographers and like promote their stuff too. So I think that's so wise. And I love that you brought that up as a connecting point, Laura, because I think a lot of times in the, at least in this industry, it can feel really isolating. Like you're in your own little lane and you're trying to figure things out, but just like using your blog as even like a networking tool or connection, connecting point can be so valuable. So I love that. I agree. And like you said, with connecting with other photographers, you could even set up a structure where you might not be able to shoot in that location, but you could recommend them. And what we do in the blogging world, and maybe this isn't as common in in the uh, photography world, it certainly is in real estate, but you could set up some type of referral where if you refer a client to them and they book with them, maybe you get a small fee or maybe a big fee, whatever kind of partnership they're willing to create with you. But it's also a great way to help each other out, but also being being paid for your work, too. Totally. I love that. I love that so much. So we talked a lot about blogging. We've already talked a little bit about just like the user intent and structure of a website. I would love to jump into the email side of things and just do you mind talking a little bit more about what it looks like to own your audience and how you recommend going about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. This is my favorite part because it's the most important part for any business. Any business should have an email list. If you do not, you're behind. You need to have an email list and that's okay. You can never start too late. I mean, it's always smart to have an email list. That is your audience that you own. Again, with social media, you don't own that audience. It can be an actual overnight decimation of your business because Instagram decides to change an algorithm or to ban you from the platform entirely. And people say, well, that's okay because I have SEO and I'll never, SEO stays the same. SEO doesn't stay the same. Things do change with the Google algorithm as well. And my push or my best advice I can give is to, yes, use SEO. It is more long-term. It is more stable than social media traffic is. So you don't have to worry as much. However, there's always that risk and there's always something that could cause, uh, you know, something bad to happen in your business where you're no longer getting a stream of clients just coming in and inquiring about working with you. So the importance is to own your audience. And again, you don't do that with Google. Sure, you own your website, but you don't own the traffic that's coming in or which which platform is sending you that traffic. So it's best to have your website set up in such a way that you can then use it to capture people's email addresses so that you always have potential business. You always have potential readers for your blog or whatever it is. So the funnel starts like this. At the top, that's where you're going to create some type of marketing strategy that brings clients to your website, which is the next level of the funnel. Your website that you own is going to be the foundation where they connect with you, where they start to like you, And then the step below it is where you own them as an audience. Again, that's your email list. So how can you use your website? Well, how can you use SEO or whatever marketing platform to then and your website to then get them onto your email list? So the first thing is, number one, you need to have some place for them to connect with you. 
They need to be able to reach out to you. Personally, I like to just include my email right there. I find that a lot of times the uh, contact forms, which can be helpful and should be used for businesses, aren't as helpful as just including your email address right there in the blog or in your website multiple times everywhere. Additionally, within blog posts specifically, you're getting people from Google to your website, but then a lot of times they just leave because they find what they want and they don't need anything else. Whereas if you capture their email address, you always have constant contact with them. So what can you do in your blog post to capture their email address? You need to make it exciting for them. You need to give them something in exchange for their email address because I don't know if you've ever been to a store where you're checking out and they say, great, here's your total. What's your email address? And you're like, I don't want to give this person my email address. Why would I want to give them my email address? I don't want them to clog up my email with crap. Like, I, I no, thank you. So I usually give them a fake email address or say, no, thank you. Instead, if that cashier said, uh, okay, your total is this, but do you want 15% off? If so, what's your email address? I'm giving them my email address every time because I maybe got a discount or I got something in exchange for my email address. So in this case, if you are, say, a photographer or any type of business owner, there are several ways that you can offer something in exchange for their email address. Number one, you could offer a discount. Now, I don't typically discount my work because I don't want to devalue myself in a way that I'm giving someone a discount that I'm worth less because we are service. We're a service based business, just like photographers are. Now, that is totally your prerogative. If you would like to give a discount, it is a great way to get people's email addresses. But take into consideration, you will then have to give them a discount from there. Uh, you could also consider creating some type of freebie. And this is also going to be very effective with a wedding uh, crowd or anybody in general who's going to get photos done, right? Because I'm going to get photos done in uh, February from a friend in Arizona, and I have no idea what to do. I don't know what to wear. I don't know how to do my hair. I don't know if there's anything special I need to do. Should I do my makeup a certain way? Whatever it is. Maybe you offer them a free guide that goes along with the content that you already wrote. So maybe, for example, your blog post is best U.S. destinations to get married. You can then offer them a freebie within that blog post. It will have a form or maybe a pop up, which I know are annoying. So maybe wait 10 seconds before the pop up comes. But this guide could talk about something in addition to the best U.S. destinations to get married. Maybe if you noticed in the top 10 that people were really, really talking about saving money or doing it on a budget, you could include a way like a budget guide. Here's how to save $500 on your wedding day so you can spend it on things you actually want. Right. And that is potentially a guide you can offer again in exchange for their email ad address. It could also be a guide on like a checklist, a wedding a wedding photography checklist, right? So yes, you have all these checklists for what to do on your wedding day, but here's some, here's 10 things that you should be aware of that you should prepare for um, when it comes to your wedding photography package. Things like that, because again, people are willing to give you something 
if they get something really good in return. And then when you do have their email address, make sure to use it. Make sure that you're sending interesting emails to them. I recommend at least once a week so that they continue to know who you are. But sending them these emails once a week to give them tips, to send them to your blog post, to give them free guides on various things. But that's the way that you want to connect with your readers on a deeper level rather than just depending on a marketing stream like SEO or social media. This is a way to continue to market to them, but it's an audience you own instead. That's so good. I think you broke that down so well, Laura. <laughs> and I think that makes total sense. And even like for photographers, so like a lot of our audiences, at least for us as photographers or even other photographers. So whether you want to do this for your clients or even just like photographers, like there's so many different ways of just like figuring out who is your audience and how you want to serve them um, is is so good. And I love that you really brought up just bringing up like a specific bonus guide within the blog post. I think that's really awesome and really strategic. And that's something that I don't see done a ton. And I don't know, just like one of the biggest misconceptions in the wedding photography industry when it comes to blogs is a lot of times they're just kind of using it as a way to showcase a portfolio. So they're like, oh, I'm going to do Kate and Sam's wedding and I'm just going to put their photos there. And that's kind of it. Every once in a while, they might link some things and, and, and stuff and within that, but it's not really serving someone like sure someone getting married at that specific venue might actually want to like see those and and there is a time and place to show that but i love what you were just touching on of just like really hitting it on the head with just how you can be more strategic and more in depth and really meeting their need and really establishing yourself as an authority so i love that i think it's so good yeah and i think that i actually forgot to say because i know that it could be overwhelming to think oh my gosh i have to create these guides for people and I don't have that much info to put in it. How do I even create the guide? Number one, keep the guide really short. I'm talking one or two pages max, because if you've ever received something for free, like a guide in your email, it is really unfortunate to open the guide and it's 40 pages. I'm not reading it. I'm not going to do it. It's free. I didn't invest in it anyway, so I don't really need this. That's number one. Number two, be simple with it. Created in Canva. Canva is a free platform. Create it in Canva, download it, and then upload it into your email marketing platform and then put it directly into your website. It is very, very simple and people tend to overcomplicate it, but keep it simple because you might have to try out a couple of different freebies and things like that uh, to capture people's attention. But that's the absolute best way to do it. And like I said, this is, and like you said, this is the best way to grow your business, but to do so long term. It's not about this. It is about the quick turnarounds, but it's also about longevity of your business and creating a platform that you can depend on for years to come, no matter what platforms like Instagram or TikTok or even Google do. So good. Staying ahead of it, Laura, as always, (laughs) I loved everything that you shared today. So thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today? Is there any way they can find you or work with you or anything you want to just like, yeah, leave them with? Yeah. So you can always find me on our website, MikeAndLauraTravel.com. We are on Instagram just for fun. We're at Mike and Laura Travel blog. Someone took our name, unfortunately. So you can connect with us there. I'm really not on that platform often. But if you have any other questions, feel free to to email me. My email is, of course, on my website. 
And I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to to teach people about the the business structures that are necessary. So good. So good. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope everyone listening today, you got a lot of value from this. Remember that it is a marathon, not a sprint. So take everything in bite-sized pieces and just start processing where you want to take your business and how you want to really take your audience from these social media platforms and really get them into a place where you own and have a little bit more control. So I hope that was really helpful. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Take Your Shop podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or insightful, we would absolutely be honored if you could take a moment to leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. If you have any friends who you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And lastly, we absolutely love connecting with you all on social media. You can find us using the links below in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.